0: A few weeks ago I started a series on following Jesus and what does it mean to follow Jesus um, of course all our uh, not these services but the uh, messages they're all recorded and if anyone wants to get any back messages then you can uh, then you can get onto the website and you can uh, and you can listen to them. So if there's any messages that you want to listen to, not just my messages, but the ones that Mark has preached over the over the weeks and when we've had a visiting uh, a visiting preacher, uh, they're all recorded. So um, uh, you're, you're able to access them on the website. I want to uh, recap just a little bit as to where we where we have got to so far. Uh, the, the first message we talked about following Jesus and what it means to follow Jesus. What we said was that uh, you can be a believer without being a follower of Jesus. You can be a believer without uh, being a disciple of Jesus. A true disciple of Jesus is one who gives himself, gives their self completely to him, and allows him to be Lord of their life talking about someone someone rightly said that if Jesus is not Lord of all, then he is not Lord at all. And I wonder whether that's true in your life. We talked about um, the disciples who, con- who didn't continue to follow him. There was a time in, in the life of Jesus when there were some of his disciples, not talking about the 12, but there were lots of, Jesus had lots of followers it was enormously popular when he walked upon the earth and the scripture says in john 6 that there was a time when uh, th- there were those who turned back and walked with him no more and jesus turned to the 12 and he said well what about you are you going as well are you going to turn away and it was simon peter who was usually the spokesman for the rest of the disciples He said, Lord, to whom can we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. And I want to make it clear this morning that Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way of salvation. Jesus is our only hope for the future. He's our only hope for eternity. Don't think that there is some other way that you can get to heaven. The Bible is very clear about it. Jesus said, I am the way. The truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Last week we looked at what it meant to be a servant, authentic servanthood. Jesus says, I am one among you who serves. He said that the Son of Man came not to be not to be served. But to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We looked at that incident in the scripture where the mother of two of his disciples, James and John, came to Jesus and, and asked for a special privilege. She said, Could my two sons uh, sit on the you know on your right hand and the other on the left when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus took that opportunity of saying that. You know, it's not really that important who takes the highest place. It's not really that important. But the most important thing was becoming a servant. And he said, if you, want to be, if you want to be the greatest of all, then first of all, you've got to be a servant. You've got to learn to serve. In his kingdom, those called upon to exercise authority, they must delight in serving others. Not serving themselves. And then, of course, we looked at that um, incident in, um, in John's Gospel, chapter 13, where, where Jesus took a towel and he took a bowl and he washed his disciples' feet. And he said, I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. In other words, you ought to serve one another. You see, what Jesus has said before, when he wondered whether, you know, whether what he had said, whether his message had been accepted, whether the disciples had understood what it meant to be a servant. Well, if they ignored his words up till that point, then surely they couldn't ignore his actions because kneeling before them was the Lord of glory. Kneeling before them was the creator of the universe who stooped and humbled himself and washed their feet. And so the servant of all becomes the greatest of all. And of course what we said was as we came to the end of the message was that one day for all who follow Christ, for all who know him as their Lord and Saviour, for all those who've had their sins dealt with by trusting in what Christ did when he went to Calvary's cross one day we shall hear those words well done good and faithful servant so that was that was last week's message today is something different and i want to read a few verses to you from the scriptures once again you can follow it in your bible or you can Uh, Look at the screen. It's, It's coming up on the screen now. It's Matthew chapter 18, and we're starting to read at verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times jesus answered i tell you not seven times but 77 times i know that in the uh in the authorized version of the scripture it says 70 times seven it was a large number basically the the number itself is not that important but it's a large number or it's a, you know a number that is you know way out Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. And I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you in anger his master turned him over to the jailers to be tor- to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed this is how my Heavenly Father will treat each each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart let's pray father we ask you this morning to speak to us this morning through your word we ask you lord that we might not just tune our ears in but we might tune our hearts in we pray lord that you will speak to each one of us show us our need show us what we need to do We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour, who taught us when praying to say, Our Father, who art in heaven. Join me in the Lord's prayer, please. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The a reason that I asked you to join me in the Lord's Prayer this morning. It'll become evident in a little while we believe in the gospel of our lord jesus christ it's a message of hope it's a message of life it's a message of peace and it's the only message when responded to that can make us right with god and that's so important to be right with god because if we leave this earth without being right with God, then there will be no hope at all. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is that the Bible tells us that we're all sinners in his sight and that we need to be saved. God looked at us in our need and he knew what we needed. And that's why he sent his only son, Jesus. And Jesus went to the cross He was willing to allow himself to be nailed to a cross. And when he suffered and died on that cross, he died for your sin and for my sin. Now, if we could manage to earn our way to heaven, then it wouldn't have been necessary for Jesus to die on the cross. But the thing about it is that it's not possible for us to earn our salvation. And that was why God sent Jesus. And that was why Jesus had to die. And when he hung on that cross, he took the punishment. We sung it earlier on. You bore my sin. You bore my cross. We sang it in the first hymn this morning. The punishment for my sin and the punishment for your sin. So that you could be Set free so that you could be saved, so that you could be forgiven. And that is the operative word this morning, forgiveness. And that's what the theme of our message is this morning. When Jesus was hanging upon that cross, he prayed a prayer. And that prayer was, Father, forgive them, because they know not what they do. C.H. Spurgeon, who was a preacher from a past generation, he said this. He said, the most outstanding mark of a Christian is their willingness to forgive those who have hurt or injured them. Now, bearing in mind, and I want to make this clear right from the outset, that when God forgives you, when you come to that place of repentance and when you realise that you need Jesus in your life and you ask him to be your saviour, he forgives all those past sins, the slate is wiped completely clean. And you are forgiven. You're given a fresh start. Now, what I'm going to say about the Other type of forgiveness, which is relational forgiveness. That means forgiving one another. That means forgiving other human beings, people who we know, people who we associate with. Totally different to God's forgiveness. We'll come to that as we go along. You see, Jesus was ready to forgive. And if we profess to be his followers... We must also do the same. Now we may say, how can it be possible for me to be like Jesus? He was divine. I am human. He could forgive because he was God. But Christ can burn into, he can burn his spirit of forgiveness into anyone's nature. You see, he lifts the standards to unbelievable heights. And he says, this is the standard that I want you to live by. This is how I want you to live. But he also provides the power by which we can attain them. In other words, he doesn't just give us a set of rules and say, keep those rules and you'll be okay. Someone rightly said that Christianity, it's not just a religion, but it's a relationship. It's a relationship. And when, we, and when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our saviour, we come into a personal relationship with him. And we can talk to him. We can walk with him. We can know his presence in our lives. As we could know the, the presence of a husband or a wife. Or a friend or a son or a daughter the same kind of relationship in luke chapter 6 and verse 27 jesus said love your enemies and do good to those who hate you now that's quite a a statement isn't it love your enemies and do good to those that hate you now the thing about it is friends that it's easy isn't it to to love those people who love you but i hope there's no one who hates you but maybe there's someone who maybe dislikes you a little bit and you find it difficult you know it puts a strain on the relationship you see but jesus is giving his command. He's saying, this is what you've got to do. You've got to love your enemies. But I'm going to give you the grace. And I'm going to give you the strength. And I'm going to give you the ability to be able to do that. You're not working in your own strength. But in his strength. He who lives in us also wants to love in us as well. There's one or two verses that I that I want to bring to you. This one is found in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 and verse 32. And it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. You know, a number of years ago, uh, a research group was set up to examine the reasons why some people who come to faith in Christ and then they turn away. They might might go on for a short time or they they may go on for a longer time and they might be following Jesus. Just like it was in the days when Jesus walked the earth, the, the incident that I mentioned earlier on when some of his disciples went back and they walked with him no more. And the findings revealed that the main reason why people turned away from the faith and went back to their old way of life was their unwillingness to forgive. You see, if as Christians we are to make a difference in this 21st century, it's imperative that we are ready to forgive. In Colossians chapter 3... And verse 13, we read these words. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see, the human way when we're hurt is to retaliate. You know, if someone has caused hurt then we want to get our own back, don't we? Well, I want to get even with that person. I've been hurt. I've been injured. I've been wounded. I'll get my own back. That is the human way. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can harbor resentment. And sometimes we can try and justify it as well. It's possible to offer a good case to hang on to it. Look what they did to me. Anyone would be justified in feeling the way that I do. The apostle Paul said in Romans 12:17, "Do not repay anyone evil for evil." We need con- to consider how God treats us. When we came to when we came to him, we can only come one way, the way of the cross. We can only come the way that the Bible tells us to come. And we can only humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, I, I've sinned in your sight. And I need you. I need Jesus in my life. I need, I need a saviour. Otherwise, I'm doomed. Otherwise, I'm on my way to... A lost eternity without any hope so to treat other people how god has treated us and how has he treated us well as i said earlier on he's wiped the slate clean he's wiped the slate clean i can remember when i was at school and you know when we uh, you know you start off don't you, you you I'm going back a long time now obviously you write with a pencil and they give you a rubber and you can rub it out but it's a little bit different isn't it, when you start writing with a pen and you know you have to put a, you have to put a cross by it or you have to scribble it out but to what this and and I can remember many many years ago they used to have these uh, little it's a little black a small blackboard they used to give you a piece of chalk, and you'd chalk on it. And they'd give you a little a little rubber to, to rub it out. And so it's a bit like that, you see, when you come to the Lord. When you come to... I'm showing my age now, aren't I? <laughs> <You don't either. laughs> and the rubber, and you... And it's just like writing all your sins out on that blackboard. And for God to take the, the rubber and just rub them all out and say look that's it all those sins are forgiven i've forgiven you unconditionally and that's what god wants us to do jesus encourages us to pray for forgiveness that's one of the reasons that i said join me in the lord's prayer this morning because in that particular line we said forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. So we're, we're asking God's forgiveness. You see, the thing about it is I've talked about coming to the Lord and asking for his forgiveness, accepting him as our Lord and saviour. But that doesn't mean to say that we're never, ever going to sin again. Because you know, and I know, that reality tells us that we will. You know, we'll either sin in thought, word, or deed, or 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 some or something else. But we can come to Him, and we can ask for forgiveness. That's good, isn't it, friends? That's good. We can come to Him, and we can ask Him for forgiveness. Yes, we slip, and we fail. But it's but you see, the thing about it is that's why. It's good to have a regular communion service. Now, in this church, we have a communion service every Sunday morning. Somebody put it like this. They said, always keep a short account with God. Well, you know, if you're like me and your memory is not as good as it used to be, then it's good because when you come to, when, when before we take of the emblems, the Bible says that we should examine ourselves. The Bible says that we should search our hearts before God so if there's any sin in our lives when we before we take of the the bread and the wine then we have an opportunity to confess that sin and to ask God to forgive us and cleanse us in his precious blood you see so we're, we're confessing that sin and we're receiving that forgiveness so that is Im- important so what we find in Matthew, Uh, chapter 6 and verses 14 and 15 that Jesus gives us a warning about forgiveness. And this is what he says. He says, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now, that's quite a statement, isn't it? So if you refuse to forgive, now, bear in mind, and I want to go back to what I said at the start of the message, that when God forgives you, When you come to the foot of the cross and you ask for his forgiveness, he wipes the slate clean. And those sins are all in the past. But what about those other sins? What about when we fail? What about when we fall? What about when we slip and we need God's forgiveness? If there is unforgiveness in our lives, then Jesus is saying that, If you've got unforgiveness and you come and ask god for forgiveness then he won't forgive you now that's quite a statement isn't it forgiveness is essential to our spiritual growth and well-being you know and sometimes we we can ask for god's forgiveness we can receive god's forgiveness But we have difficulty forgiving ourselves. I've known people who. Committed sins maybe before they. Before they became a Christian. before Before they came to know the Lord. And something that happened in the past. Has stuck with them. And they've hung on to it. And they've still felt the guilt. And even though. Even though They. They know it to be true that God has forgiven them. They still haven't forgiven themselves. And, they've, and it's caused them lots of heartache and lots of problems. You see, the forgiveness we receive from God, we must be prepared to extend it to others. When we fail to forgive, what we do is break the bridge over which God's forgiveness flows into our lives. So forgiveness is essential. In the reading that we shared together a few moments ago, we find there that Peter asks Jesus a question. In verse 21 of Matthew 18, he asks him a question. And that question is, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times, he asked the question. And I don't think he was quite prepared for the answer. Because Jesus said, no, not just seven times, Peter, but 77 times. And in, the, in one of the versions, in the authorised version, it says up to 70 times 7, which is 490 times. The number to me is not important. But what I, I believe what Jesus was saying, not just seven times, Peter, but as many times as necessary. Because that's the way it is with God. He never says there's any limit on how many times that he will forgive you. You'll never reach the point where, 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 you, where you pray and say, Lord, I've, you know, I've, I've messed things up again. I need your forgiveness. You'll never come to the point where God will say, Oh, well, I'm sorry. You know, you, you, you've used up all your forgiveness. Let me say, friends, that God's forgiveness is unlimited. Mm-hmm. And if God's forgiveness is unlimited, so should ours. And that's what he expects of us as his followers. Up to seventy times seven, and then we find that that Jesus goes on to uh, to illustrate his point. He tells a parable of the king's servant, and this particular um, this particular parable he talks about the he talks about the king's servant who uh, who owed a large debt, and the king decides that he wanted to you know he wanted to settle the uh the debts he wanted to get it sorted out and so he calls the servant to him and he and he finds out that he owes quite a a large amount it says that uh, he began the settlement a man who owed him ten thousand talents which is a A massive amount. I'm not quite sure what 10,000 talents would be in 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 today's money, but let's just say it was 10,000 pounds. And he was brought in, brought him to him. But of course, he was, you know, he was not able to pay the debt. Impossible for him to pay the debt. So he was not able to pay. The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. But we find there that the, the servant, he, he fell on his knees. He says he fell on his knees and he begged. And I will pay back everything, he said. Now, notice the, notice the reaction of the king. Because not only did he say, OK, not only did he say, OK, I'll give you, I'll give you time. I, you know, I, I'll give you six months. Pay back before I, you know, before you're thrown into prison and before uh, everything that you've got is sold, and uh, and I have the money. He went a little bit further, and he said, "Okay, let's forget about it altogether." What a, can you imagine the relief in the man's heart when, when the king said, "Okay, forget about it." You're completely free from that debt. That would be good, isn't it? Just, just say, for instance, one of you one of you, owed a large debt on, the, you know, on, on one of your credit cards. And you, oh, and you were worried about it and you didn't know how you were going to pay it. And then they send you a letter and they say, oh, don't worry about it, we've decided to cancel the debt. You know, can you imagine that sense of relief? And there was a sense of relief, I'm sure there must have been, a sense of relief with this man. But then we find that he goes out and the same servant he had a fellow servant and in comparison to what he owed the king it says that he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii which was in comparison to ten thousand pounds we'll say it was fifty pounds Look how how he reacted. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But the scripture says there that he refused. He refused to listen to him. He only owed a small debt in comparison. And the unforgiving servant showed no compassion. He withheld his forgiveness. And this parable, it teaches how God feels about unforgiveness. What happens? What happens when we're Christians and we fall? What happens when we're Christians and we sin? It may not be intentional. Intentional. But we sin. And we become aware of it. You see, when the Holy Spirit is in your life, you become more sensitive to sin. You know. You know what's right and you know what's wrong. And the Holy Spirit sensitizes our conscience, our conscience. We're aware of the sin. And we confess. We receive forgiveness and God removes the consequences. But because God's forgiveness is conditional on our willingness to forgive, when we do sin, that sin accumulates in our lives and we feel the weight and the pressure. And it says that the servant, the unforgiving servant, is delivered to the torments tormentors in other words if you don't forgive and you hang on to unforgiveness then you can be in torment you know that things are not right it will affect your relationship with god unless you are prepared to forgive failure to forgive affects our walk with the Lord. And blocks the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That doesn't mean to say that God casts us off. Why? Because he is a gracious God. He loves us so much that he'll do anything to, to bring us back. He'll do all he can. His grace and his mercy are still the same. And he will do anything to get us back and get us into that right place again. But we must give careful attention you know there are examples in scripture of those who were able to forgive joseph was one remember joseph the one who had the technicolor dream coat it doesn't say that in the scripture but that's what he had some of you may have may have seen the musical joseph and his technicolor dream coat he was his father's favorite wasn't he his father loved him and he gave him this coat of many colors and his his brothers became jealous of him not just because of that, but because of his attitude, you know. And he, he had dreams and, you know, he, he dreamt that his brothers would would bow down to him. And, of course, they became annoyed and they, you know, they didn't like it very much. And so they were going to get rid of him. And they ended up putting him in a pit and he ended up in Egypt. And then he ended up in prison. He falsely accused thrown into prison. And then his brothers, there was a famine in the land of Israel, and and Joseph had been made second, he'd been made prime minister of Egypt and he stored all the the he, he, he'd stored all the crops ready for the seven years of famine. And when the when the famine started to bite in Israel, Jacob said to his sons, You better go down to Egypt and get us some food before we starve to death. They went down and Joseph, he didn't reveal himself at the first. But then he did, and he forgave them. He forgave his brothers all that they'd done, even though they didn't even know whether he was dead or alive. He was willing to forgive. And then we had Stephen. Remember Stephen in the New Testament? He was a he was arrested, and you know, and he was and he was accused. You see, the only the, the only. He didn't actually commit any crime. The only thing is that he stood up for what was right. He stood up for the truth. And he preached the gospel and he told, he told people what their need was and what they should do. And he was very forthright in, his, in his, his address. You can read about it in Acts chapter 7. And then we find that they decided they were going to stone him for a terrible death for this, for this young man. But as the stones rained down upon him, he said, I I looked into heaven and I saw the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God. And what did he say? He says, Father, do not lay this sin to their charge. He forgave them. Even though they were stoning him, he forgave those who were actually throwing the stones. Did he do it in his own strength? No, I believe not. I believe that God gave him the strength to be able to forgive and then there was jesus hebrews 12 says consider him who endured such hostility from sinful men against himself and the last scripture for today is found in 1 peter chapter 2 1 peter chapter 2 and verses 21 to 23 about Jesus he says he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth when they hurled their insults at him he did not retaliate when he suffered he made no threats instead he entrusted himself to him who judges justly Jesus was hated He was despised, he was rejected, he was mocked, he was beaten, he was spat upon, he was ridiculed. He was crowned with thorns, he was publicly humiliated, he was nailed to a cross. And he could still say, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. If Jesus could forgive all that, and forgive you and me then we must unconditionally forgive. I want to close with some words. And this is an example of true forgiveness. Some of you may have heard, maybe all of you have heard, of a, a Christian lady called... Corrie Ten Boom, a Dutch Christian who lived in Amsterdam during World War II. She, with her father and other members of her family, sacrificed their safety and helped as many as 800 Jews escape the horrors of the Nazi camps. They were exposed by their neighbours and they were imprisoned in the concentration camps themselves. later wrote a book called the hiding place I've got that book with me this morning I would say that if anybody wants to borrow that book it's not on the church library it is my own personal copy but if anybody wants to borrow that book afterwards come and see me the hiding place which recorded her survival of the incomprehensible horrors of the Holocaust. She told how she endured brutality and heartbreaking loss on a scale that was overwhelming. One specific Nazi guard in the Ravensbrück concentration camp where she and her sister Betsy were interred was especially evil. He committed inhuman acts against Corrie and others in the camp eventually causing the death of her precious and beloved sister, Betsy. Corrie often ministered after the war on forgiveness. After one of her speaking engagements, a man from the audience came up to her. After she gave her speech, Corrie immediately recognized him. It was him. It was the God who caused her sister's death and the suffering of so many more. She knew who he was. But he did not remember her. The guard walked up to Curry, still not realizing who she was. He said, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your speech. I was one of the guards there. But since I have become a Christian, I know that God has forgiven me the cruel things that I did. But I would like to hear it from you as well. Will you forgive me? Listen to what happened. In Corrie's own words, I stood there, I who had sinned over and over again and been forgiven. I could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death by asking for forgiveness? We stood there looking at each other. He had his hand held out. But to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. But I knew I had to do it. I knew that the message that God forgives as a prior condition that we forgive those who have offended us. If you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. I knew it only as a commandment. I knew it not only as a commandment but as a daily experience. For since the end of the war, I had opened a home in Holland for the victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were also able to return to society and be able to rebuild their lives and their families. Those who nursed their bitterness and remained offended were also invalids. It was as simple and horrible as that. Still I stood there with coldness, still clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will and can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Help, I prayed silently. Lord, I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You must do the rest. And so, grudgingly and mechanically, I thrust my hand into the hand that was stretched out before me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. A current started flowing down my shoulders, raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And then the healing warmth of God seemed to flow over my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother. I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hand, the former God and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did at that very moment. God had shown Curry what to do. He told her to do what was right. It was the hardest thing she could imagine. But with His help, she did exactly that. That's real forgiveness. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you will burn your word into our heart this morning. That if there is anything in our hearts, anything in our lives that we need to deal with, If there is only any trace of unforgiveness, then help us to deal with it. Lord, it may be something that we've hung on to for many years, but Lord, we know that it can be dealt with. Show us what it is, Lord, so that we can deal with it. And so that anything that has blocked the flow of forgiveness in our lives that it might be removed so that once again we can experience your love and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name. Amen.